to say thank you to everyone that was involved in our egg hunt yesterday. Great success. Um, are you ready? 2,100 eggs hunted yesterday. Uh, over 80 people in attendance, and uh, we just had a really great time. Uh, before we started, a little bit of sprinkling of rain, and when it was time to go, the rain dried up. There was even maybe a little bit of sun that came out. We had a great time, so we all say hallelujah. I want to say thank you to all of you, but I want you to join me in saying thank you to Peter and Lisa Hunt, who really were the drivers behind that. Can you all say thank you to, to them? Peter already mentioned it, but our mission emphasis this month is Habitat for Humanity. I want to make you aware that uh, we're going to have a couple of people from Habitat here next week. Uh, Bill is going to do a little quick summary of what goes on with that and part of, as part of the worship service next week. And so I really want to encourage you. You may have asked in your lifetime, what can I do? What really can I do about poverty in our world, in our community? And I can tell you that there may be lots of things you can do, but one of the primary things that can be done is to help with the, not just the lack of housing, because there's always housing available people, but the ability for a family to own and invest in a home and have that to pass on to their children can break the cycle of poverty in a family. And Habitat for Humanity is very much about that. And I encourage you to get on board with them and to be here next week to hear about that. I've uh, been going to Astros games for all my life. Uh, my aunt and uncle lived in Friendswood, and we would come visit them as little children. I remember once going to the Astrodome to a, to a game, and I had never seen anything that big in my life. I, you know, and this was, by the way, this was back in the day when the glass on top was still clear, and so no matter how much air conditioning you pumped in there, it was hot. Did anybody remember those days uh, before the, the turf got on it? I know that uh, those of you who are lifelong Brazoswood fans have, have memories of going to play at the Astrodome, and uh, who knows how many people have injured knees because they played on AstroTurf at the Astrodome. We don't know about those things. And I, I enjoy going today to, to this beautiful new park, and it's lots of fun. If you haven't discovered it this, this way yet, you can, you can drive from here just up to uh, just inside, uh, just outside of, of 610, and you can go over a couple of blocks, and you can catch the, the little light rail, and you don't have to find parking. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You can ride the light rail, uh, take one change, and it takes you about a block away from the stadium. It's wonderful. It takes about 45 minutes of wonderful, but it's wonderful. So, But what would it be like? I just want you for a minute to imagine with me what it would be like if, as opposed to going just as you, you got to go as a guest and be with Jim Crane at a baseball game. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? You know, you worry about traffic and parking and things like that, and Jim Crane would say, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll send a helicopter and pick you up at the airport just up the road here, and we'll land real close. You would think, well, we still got to walk a little ways from the helipad up to the stadium. And he would say, no, 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 we've, we've got a golf cart that takes us. And as opposed to driving in and walking in a gate, there would be people that would get out of the way and you'd go down this little tunnel that would take you in under the baseball field because you're not going to your seat. You're going to go out during batting practice and you're going to get to walk, walk around and stand by the cage and watch them swing and things like that. Maybe have a reporter come up to you and say, who are you? You must be somebody important if you're here with Jim Crane. Yes? Then you'd say, oh, we need to go to our seats and sit down and get ready. And he'd say, no, no, no. 
we've got a five-course meal plan for you. You need to come and sit in my dining room and have the finest of foods and be ready for the game to start. And then you would move to a box seat where it isn't just about watching the pitcher throw and the catcher catch, but you hear the hum of the ball as it leaves his hand, yes? And you hear the whop as it hits the mitt. And you're so close that you can tell the difference in the sound between a changeup and a fastball. And then the Astros win. I think Altuve, Altuve hits a home run in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. Woo! Right? And he walks over there, and they've, they've collected the ball, and he walks over to the U and said, you're a special gift of Jim Crane. You're a special guest of Jim Crane today, and I want to hand you this ball, and I'm going to autograph it for you. Going to the game with Jim Crane is a little bit different than just going to the game. Amen? And I want to tie that to the question because it's the more, it's the larger, bigger, fundamental question today. Do you want to do life on your own? Kind of the way that you and I have to fight our way through traffic and fight our way into the gate and find our little seat that's way up in the nosebleed section. Or do you want to do life with Jesus? Do you want to be with Jesus in every moment of your life from this day forward? That is the fundamental question that God has been asking, that Jesus asked people over and over again, and that is at the center of the church's reach into the world. Do you want to be with Jesus? We're going to be reading, we're going to be continuing Garrett's reading from Romans chapter 6. And I would invite you to turn there and have your Bibles open. I'm going to comment on the content of the scripture. But make no mistake, I'm not going to be able to address everything that Paul says here. And you're going to miss out on some of the good that God wants to give you if you just leave your Bible closed or if you don't get your phone up and get that text on it. Except if you have to use Wi-Fi. Don't use Wi-Fi. You can do it. We'll get it when you get home. Let's continue that reading, starting with verse 2. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, just be sure and know this is a Tony Evans joke, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is who he is. He is the king. He is the anointed one. He is God's ultimate expression of his love. And when you see that word Christ, you need to hear kind of the echo of Messiah. But above all else, you can just say, the one. Can you say that with me? The one. Jesus, the one. We're baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ, the one, was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone has been, who has died has been set free from sin. Did you hear the invitation? Did you hear what our passage begs? It asks that same question. 
do you want to be with Jesus? Thank you. Let's try again. Do you want to be with Jesus? I want to explore three implications to your response of yes, I want to be with Jesus that Paul puts forward for us in this passage. First of all, if we want to be with Jesus, we get to join with him in his death. A death to sin. We want to put death to sin with Jesus. Now, I want to be sure you understand. Jesus died, physical death, amen? Died. His life was in him no longer. He gave it up on the cross. But what you need to know is that from the minute that he was sent back, to put on flesh and become God's presence among us. Emmanuel, that little baby in the manger. From that moment, his life became a decision that I am not going to let the power and the influence of sin be the one who rules my life. I am going to choose to be God's man. In fact, what he said is I'm going to choose to be God's child, his son. When he was 12 years old, he's in the temple and he he tells his mom and dad who come breathlessly back to town after three days. And he says, well, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house about my father's business? Amen. As soon as he is baptized, Satan will join him in the wilderness where the spirit sends him. And he will have to make decisions. Satan offers him power. Satan offers him wealth. Satan offers him influence. All the things, by the way, that the life of sin offers each and every person in the world. From the richest to the poorest, there's always this sense of, I'm going to go do something to get ahead. I'm going to go grab something for me. I'm going to make life about what I can get. In fact, in many ways, Jesus stands up and makes three decisions where humanity, represented by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, had one decision that they couldn't accomplish, saying, No, I don't want to do it the way sin wants me to do it. I don't want to submit my life to the slavery and the power of sin. Instead, they said, Yeah, I'll define what's good. I'll define what's bad. I'll define what's righteous and I'll define what's evil in spite of the fact that I know the God who created me and I know what he says is good and right. Jesus, three times, stood up to Satan and said, not your way, God's way. Not what I want, but what God's want. And every one of those decisions was about putting sin to death. Amen? And you and I have the opportunity to make choices like that. We have the opportunity to step right into the same choice that humanity has always made. To say, I'm going to do it for me and I'm going to decide what's right and wrong for me. Instead of saying, I'm going to see God and understand who my creator is. Not just the one who created me, but the one that sustains me and everything else in the universe. And I want to do it his way. We get to be with Jesus in putting sin to death. Amen? Now, I want to be sure and tell you, I haven't gotten there in its totality yet. I am not perfect in that process. There are days when when I see things and I respond in a selfish manner. There are days and and situations that I step in, and instead of kindness, sometimes cruelty comes out. 
Sometimes I'm tempted to say, you know, if I do that thing, I'll be put at a disadvantage. And I don't make that decision that day. But what I want you to know is that every time Jesus was faced with that dilemma, a crowd came up to him and wanted to make him king. There were men who were armed. They were called zealots, and they were ready to go to battle with him. And consistently, Jesus said, not Satan's way. I will not let sin win the day. I will do what God wants me to do. And you know what? You're right. I don't get it right all the time, but do you know what the the tact of my life is, the point of my life, the compass of my life, the path that I want to walk on? is towards what God wants me to be. And you have the opportunity to make exactly that same decision every single day. I love to watch mothers who lay their life down to care for little babies as they grow up. I love to watch dads who decide instead of sitting in front of the TV, I'm going to get out and do something with my son or my daughter today. I love to watch this church do ministry that says... I could be doing something that makes me, fulfills my luxurious kind of selfish pleasures, but instead I want to do things like go out and throw eggs out into a field so kids can go and have fun and laugh and play. Amen? We get to join Jesus. We get to be with Jesus in putting sin to death. The next thing Paul asks is, are you willing to be buried with Jesus. Now this is a a step beyond just laying your life down and defeating sin, being putting sin to death. This is about the ultimate trajectory of Jesus's life. This is to say that we don't get to just kind of say I want to a little bit. Jesus might have made it one of the might have wanted to make the choice to say I'll just do a little bit of that death stuff, but I'm not really going to be completely put to death. Just before my body dies on the cross, I'm going to exit, and I'm going to I'm going to not have that happen to me. You need to understand that this language in the New Testament about having faith in Jesus is also equally meaning faith like Jesus. Because when Jesus was laid on the cross, he had the opportunity to say, no, I'm out of here. But he chose to give it all. He chose to make a decision that said, this is really a critical little point here. We so often see things in the God world as just, oh, no wonder he did that. He knew what was going to happen. There was the promise that God made that he would raise Jesus up if he would submit to death. But there was the moment that Jesus had to decide, am I going to trust that God will be true to his word to me because I'm not going to find out if he's going to be true to his word to me unless I die. We all want to kind of say, I want to be part of defeating sin in the world. Amen? The question is, are we ready to go and be buried to put all of it on him? And say, I'm not trying to work it out my own way 
in anything at all. I just want to trust God. I just want to know Christ. I just want my life to be about what the Holy Spirit will fill up and do in me. Do we want to be with Jesus in his burial? Finally, the promise is, and hallelujah to this. God said, Jesus, I'm going to send you there. You're going to put on flesh. You're going to put on so much flesh that you're going to actually be able to die. And he did die. Death. Death to the point. And again, you need to kind of understand. You and I see the science of death. We, we have a, a, a police officer or we have a doctor that proclaims us dead. And we understand this science of the end of brain activity. For people in an ancient world, there was a certain sense in which, are they really dead? Are they really dead? To a certain extent, they put a test to Jesus. They poked him with a spear. If he's not really dead, he'll jump. He didn't jump. But the real key is that they buried him. He was dead. But that was not the last word. There's a lot of foolish stuff that goes on on Facebook. Somebody say amen. But what's been kind of neat to see over the last few days is these little statements. Did you see them? Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. And the reality of Sunday is the most powerful historical reality in our world is that on Sunday morning, God reached down and broke the grasp of death broke the slave of sin, slavery of sin, and raised Jesus up to a new life that was as different almost from the old life as we can imagine. He said, sin will not win. Death will not win. And Jesus' faith in God was rewarded. Do you want to be with Jesus, raised to life with him? The thing I have to promise you, though, is is it requires a life that's set in the direction of putting death, sin to death. And it requires not just a toe in the water, not just I'll give this a try, but it takes all of you. That is what it means in the passage when it says, all of us who were baptized with Christ, all of us who have been buried in the waters of baptism, who have said, I want all of me to be consumed. There's a powerful way in which baptism is not a sprinkling. Baptism is not a a painting of a symbol on a forehead. Baptism is about all of me. My favorite thing to tell people who say, do I want to be baptized? I want to be baptized is to say, well, just be sure you know that when we go down in the water, everything you've got on is going to be wet. Garrett, would you affirm that I said exactly that? Where is Garrett? Wherever he is. Can you give him a big yes? Okay, Garrett goes baptized last week. I said, Garrett, everything. I can't tell how many people get in the water and they come back out and they say, oh, goodness, I forgot my underwear was going to get wet. That was a joke. It's as good as it's going to get. It takes everything. It consumes us. To a certain extent, 
the life we want to live. We say, I don't want sin to be the direction of my life. I want Christ to be the direction of my life. It's to say, I want to put sin to death. And the point where I am buried is that point of baptism. And the New Testament will point over and over and over again to that reality. That to enter into a life with Jesus is to enter into baptism with him. If you've read your Gospels very early in the pages, what you discover is that even Jesus chose to be baptized by John. He chose to be fully immersed in that life. Did Jesus need to be forgiven of anything? And the answer is no. Did Jesus want to be fully obedient and committed to God? And the answer is yes. So that's how you place your life with Christ. So that God's word, not me, not the people you've talked to before, not maybe some traditional things that you've heard, so that God's word is not under misunderstood, I want you to understand two things. That being baptized, first of all, is never about what you can do. It is never about what you can do. Baptism ultimately is a submission. If you have ever witnessed a baptism, you will notice that there's somebody in the water with you. The question might be, can't you dip yourself in the water? And the answer is, but you can't baptize yourself. It is something that God does for you and Christ does with you. It is never about what you can do. I want to emphasize this in a second way. It is never about the fact that you're ready. I'm good enough. Oh, good. God, I'm good enough now, so now I'll step into the waters of baptism. Not only will you never be ready before the waters of baptism, guess what? I've been living this for 30, ah, nearly 40 years now. Nearly 45 years now. Do I hear 50? Not yet. Not yet. I've been living this a long time. And it has never been about what I can get perfect. Because the second thing that the Bible always tells us is that being baptized is always about what Jesus has done. I want to be sure you understand. I don't just mean the fact that John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. What I mean to say is that Jesus went through a real life of putting sin to death. Amen? Jesus said, I will go to the cross in, in spite of the fact that it will cost me everything. Jesus said, I will let my life be taken away so much so that I will be buried because I'm going to trust you to raise me up. You and I will replicate that. We will tell that story. In a baptism. That's why I love when baptisms are part of a corporate worship experience because each and every, and what I wish, I always wish for this, that we could have a baptistry right in the middle and that it be big enough that when we, and that we make a big splash. You know how when, when kids jump in and do a cannonball, they're trying to get everybody wet, wet? I want people when they're baptized to get everybody wet. And why? So you can remember. Yes, you remember what you did in your baptistry, but much bigger than that. You remember what Jesus has done. Amen? And that what Jesus has done trumps any failings, any brokenness that you have. And that is not just true for a day. It is true for your lifetime. You know what's really neat? Is that that is not only true of being baptized, it is true of God's good news. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul will be asked, what is the good news? And Paul will say, it is the life 
of living, of putting sin to death. It is Christ's burial and Christ's resurrection. It is never about what you can do. Can you be good enough for the gospel? And the answer is, church, no. Is Jesus good enough for the gospel? And the answer is yes. I am thankful that that truth is ultimately what takes us to place where we can say that we should no longer be slaves to sin. This may be a time of year when your family tunes in and watches the old version of the Ten Commandments. Yul Brenner and Charlton Heston, man, he was a good-looking guy, wasn't he? If you haven't watched it, you don't know. But, I mean, these powerful men, I'm telling you now. And you watch that story. And to a certain extent, when Paul says we, will no long, we should no longer be slaves to sin, he's kind of hearkening back to that story. Not because the Israelites won a battle. Not because there was a great slave revolt and they refused to work any longer. But because God brought them out of Egypt and through the waters of the Red Sea to say, I will make a new people who will wear my name and who will live for me. Unfortunately, not the end of their story, but Christ comes and invites us to say in our lives, I want to no longer be a slave to sin. And make no mistakes, no matter how much sin entices us, no matter how much sin says, oh, doesn't it look sweet, doesn't it look good, wouldn't wouldn't life just be so much easier if you could decide what's right and wrong? That's sin. So easy. But every answer to the question of, yes, I'll take it, yes, I'll make it part of me, is slavery. It is a slavery to death. It is a slavery to brokenness. And while you might say, wait, 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 it's so much fun to do all those other things, I would say to you that it is a slavery to absolute despair and hopelessness. Because the only hope, the only real hope, is in Christ Jesus. You are invited to make a choice today. I don't know what that choice is going to be, and I don't know what it looks like exactly, but you're going to make a choice that says, I want my life to go in the direction of choosing to put sin to death. It may be that you want to talk to someone about putting Christ on in baptism, and we would invite you to that conversation. There are people all over this audience, or you could come to me right here during this next song and say, I want to talk about baptism. We would be glad to enter into that conversation. You may say that I see this this church body, whether I'm online or whether I'm here, and I want to be a part of a group of people who want to put sin to death, who want to give their whole selves to God, and who want to live into the new life in Christ. Wherever your step is, invite you today, this day, to make a decision to be with Christ. Whether you come with your steps forward, whether you join us online and send a text to the number that you see on the screen, 979-217-3300, or you sit in your spot and say, I'm not going to leave here without telling somebody I want it to be more about Christ and less about sin in my life. Whatever it may be, why don't you come as we stand and sing. I know the mighty.